You've seen the rest. Now you'll listen to this one. That One Movie Podcast. Welcome to another episode of That One Movie Podcast, also known as Tomp, the weekly show where we discuss movies, games, and TV shows, in addition to kind of whatever. Mainly, we just shout nonsense into our microphones. I'm your host, Holden Sutter, joined by my co-host, Jimmy Youthy. Holden's the real Ma Rainey of this podcast. Am I? (laughs) And I'm like a cutler. I feel like you're the one who has to tell me everything to do, Jimmy, so you're probably the Ma Rainey. Except you like barks over Coca-Cola. Yeah, I am drinking a delicious Barks this podcast. Uh, You can sponsor us, uh, Barks, if you want. Feel free. Anybody. Literally, just sponsor us. We'd like that. (laughs) (laughs) We like money. I Uh, like money. (laughs) uh, We've got a great episode for you this week featuring our review of the season finale of The Mandalorian, as well as the new Netflix movie, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Starring Viola Davis and Chadwick Boseman. Yes. Let's do it. That one movie podcast. (laughs) Tom. First, Jimmy, we've got to do Tom's. I'm so excited that it won't be half the episode this week. (laughs) Yes, me too. Toms. Toms is a rapid fire segment where we rate the news of the week in the world of entertainment on a scale of three famous Toms Brokaw, Bombadil, and Bergeron. Brokaw is the highest, Bombadil's the lowest, and Bergeron is somewhere in between. Jimmy, let's get to it. Let's hear it, Holden. <coughs> ah, sorry. I was right. Save the him for the theme song, Holden. <laughs> uh, yeah, so first up, we've got some release dates going. Uh, some updates to a few movies that we may or may not be excited for. The first couple, I'm sure neither of us are that into. But Holden, uh, you just have a way of building things up yeah. to make me excited and the audience excited. Yeah, I know. About I something know. super exciting, which is release dates, which I we know. never talk about. So never I just want to say I appreciate that. It's one of your strengths. <laughs> uh, so Chaos Walking, which is that Tom Holland and Daisy Ridley <laughs> movie that has been infinitely delayed, has been delayed again. Uh, but only by a couple months this time. It's been delayed from January uh, to March 5th now. So that movie. This movie, it looks like uh, it is a lot of money just thrown into a furnace. It, it does. <laughs> it's got Mads Mikkelsen in it. It does. Grindelwald himself. It's got Mad Mikkelsen. It's got Spider-Man. It's got Ray. Yeah. It's uh, and it's also the script. At least the first draft. I don't know how much sub. I don't of it left was written by Charlie Kaufman, which a lot of people were like, "Ooh, excited for that." But I highly doubt that any of that is left at this point because it's been through production hell for a long time. Yeah, but and so was New Mutants, and that movie was not that good. No, but uh, maybe this will be good. I don't know. It's directed by Doug Lyman. He did that Edge of Tomorrow movie that I like. That I still haven't seen that's been on my watch list for at least five years. Yeah. Is that movie five <laughs> years old yet? It's It has to be close. To, well, wait, I think it was 2014 because I think I remember seeing it like the same weekend I saw Winter Soldier or something like that. So I remember years. hearing it was good, being like, hmm, I should go see that in theaters and then just 
never seeing it. So that's where I'm at with Edge of Tomorrow. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I'll give Chaos Walking's delay a, a Bergeron because it's probably going to be a dumpster yes. fire. <laughs> Got to start off with a divisive Bergeron. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, next up, the Mortal Kombat movie, uh, which is one of those movies that's going to be released in theaters and on HBO Max simultaneously, is going to be released on April 16th. And that previously didn't have a, rele- a release date when we uh, set it or when we went through our list a few episodes ago. Yep, I don't know anything about Mortal Kombat. So. It's uh, produced by James Wan. Scorpion. Yeah, he's, the, he's the yellow one. <laughs> and the other one is... Sub-Zero. Sub-Zero. He's the blue one. That's about nice. all I know, too. <laughs> and they fight. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'll give it a yeah. Bergeron. Yeah, I'll give it a Bergeron, too. Uh, and then the last one, and probably the one we're most excited for, is the Snyder Cut. Is Zack Snyder said that it's coming out in March, but on an undisclosed date. So it's coming pretty soon, Jimmy. I cannot wait. Just I in time for Easter. Yes. I can't, I, I can't wait to have to watch that four hours for one episode of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> can't wait for it to not be very good still. Exactly. Uh, I'm going to give that one a Bergeron as well. <laughs> I'll give it a Broca because that's earlier than I thought. I thought it would be summer. Oh, okay. Uh, but then we're getting into an actual exciting thing. Maybe the only exciting thing this entire... <laughs> I feel like we're going to have a lot of Bergerons this episode. But this one, uh, an update on the Spider-Man 3, the new one that's going to have all the all the characters from the old movies. We got some more uh, not officially confirmed by the studio yet, but we, uh, multiple sources have cited this, so uh, hopefully it's true. Uh, but Willem Dafoe and Thomas Hayden Church are likely coming back to play Norman Osborn and Sandman, respectively. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, especially uh, <laughs> Willem Dafoe, I would be very excited to see him come <laughs> back and be Green Goblin again. <laughs> I definitely want to see that. Yeah. <laughs> Do you- so I guess I'm guessing it's gonna be Spider-Man No Place Like Home or something like that. Maybe There's no place like home. No, no place, place like, like home. a home. I bet that's because he's like, boy, I'm in this multiverse. I just want to go back to my own dimension. You know what I mean? My yeah. own universe. Because there's no place like home. He's gonna get red slippers. And he's gonna be like, there's no place like home. He already had. I mean, he's got like the suit on. Does he have red feet in his suit? He, he does. Okay. But he doesn't have go. red slippers. I don't know. Um. Anyway, I mean, I think I t- like Thomas Hayden Church's Sandman was like his story was probably the best part of Spider-Man 3, the original. I thought that was pretty good, at least from what I remember. I haven't seen that movie in a long time. It's pretty um, sad. Yeah, it was sad. Um, and obviously Willem Dafoe is great. I I got the or I get the sense that Willem Dafoe liked being Green Goblin because, I mean, he did come back for the two like spider-man 2 and 3 even though That's right. he's not in like he's his character is dead spoiler the alert hot. <laughs> i think he should show up and he's just still got the two puncture wounds and that'd be pretty good i want him to come up come back in that same green goblin costume that looks like a power ranger See, I hope they all come back in their original costumes. I was just about to ask you that. Are we going to see the Raimi webbed Spider-Man suit and the amazing Spider-Man suit? I would imagine the Spider-Man suits would be close to the same. I mean, I really, I want them to be in like their costumes, but then that would indicate that Electro would be the same design. <laughs> Unless, And I really don't want is, that. 
I don't care. I would trade that for the to see the original costumes again. Okay. I guess that's fair. I want to see Doc Ock in his cool trench coat and sunglasses. <laughs> uh yeah i mean this gets a how does that for me. how does that even work with like the time like because you bring in the universe but then there's also the timeline aspect of it like doc ock and there's not doc ock and green goblin simultaneously in that universe no you know i feel like they'd have to be different times from that universe because i mean if if we get toby Maguire, he'd be like hey all of you are dead <laughs> I guess Sandman te- technically doesn't die, but the, the, he'd be like, "Hey, you're, the other two you're are all dead. You're all dead, and you blew away." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and you're Topher Grace. Does he die? God, what if they got Topher Grace? <laughs> he dies, right? Because he jumps. He jumps yeah, into he dies. it. God, what if they got his venom back? <laughs> that would be cherry on top of this movie. Are they gonna bring back Emma Stone? I think so. I think I mentioned that either last With week the, or the week before that Emma Stone and Kirsten Dunst were both. Uh, I didn't know Emma back. Stone was coming back. Yeah. Well, now just, we're just missing that unforgettable uh, villain, the lizard. <laughs> <laughs> I want the guy that he's looking for half the movie. He's got the run tattoo or whatever. He, he's like, you killed my uncle or whatever. I don't remember that. Um, but I don't remember that movie very well. It's, it's not good. That part. <laughs> um, so, like, the more people they bring back, the more is I me. Mean, more I'm like, are the, is this all just going to be really quick? I feel like it's just going to be like the like, last third of the movie. Or I mean, is it going to be like I'm going through the multiverse? Oh, look at this one place. Look, this Spider-Man's fighting this guy for five seconds, and then I'm going for the. To the it next could part. be. I mean, what if they're just like uh, that? Would be just that'd what? be so disappointing. Yeah. No, I want them to all come together and meet. Honestly, I think this is... Maybe this is what they're thinking of, like, Sinister Six. Like, everyone's been talking about maybe Sinister Six is going to be happening soon. Maybe this is what they're doing. A multiverse Sinister Six? Yeah, maybe. And I I mean, who knows? Maybe Vulture will come back. What's up, Doc? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm kind of pumped for this. I think this is... Uh, the more I hear about who's joining, the more this is slowly moving up my anticipated movies list next year. There's so much room to be disappointed. I know. <laughs> like, it's either going to be the coolest thing ever, or it's going to be like, oh, we're here for two minutes, and then that's it. Yeah. It sounds great. It does. I hope it. I hope it. I hope we're not overhyping it all, but I'll give that a Broca. Thomas, <laughs> two thumbs up Broca. Me as well. The hot. <laughs> And then sticking with Marvel news, uh, moving on to Ant-Man 3, um, there was a big hubbub online this week about uh, his daughter, Cassie Lang, uh, who has been recast. Uh, I mean, okay, so for those of you who don't remember, his daughter is in Avengers Endgame for literally like five seconds. He like, like Paul Rudd meets up with his daughter and reunites with her for like five seconds. And in that scene, she's played by uh, Emma Furman, but they have recast her uh, to be Catherine Newton, who is a much bigger name. Uh, if you don't know who Catherine Newton is, she was like the female lead in Detective Pikachu. And she recently was just in uh, Freaky. She was like the lead in that, which we didn't end up seeing. Uh, I do want to see still at some point. Um, but having a bigger name like that, uh, some people think it's an indicate for her becoming the superhero that she becomes in the comics. I think her name is Stature. 
Um, and I don't know. There's a lot of a lot of people were upset about this because they're like, why? Do, they're just recasting her for a bigger name. Like, it's stupid. Why recast her? And I'm just. I mean, I really don't care that much. But I think I should talk about it. Who cares? Bergeron. <laughs> I would never have noticed. Yeah, probably so, not. Bergeron. Bergeron from me. me too. Uh, then next up we have uh the electric state uh this is an announcement of a new movie based off of a graphic novel um the uh, premise of this graphic novel is that it takes place in a reimagined version of 1997 with humans isolated in their vr helmets and continuing battle against a strange breed of monstrous drones in the wake of a technical technological meltdown a teenage girl named michelle and a robot travel the west coast of the u.s in search of the girl's missing brother uh, this movie adaptation will star Millie Bobby Brown, who people know from Stranger Things as Eleven, uh, and also was in Enola Holmes recently, and it's going to be directed by the Russo brothers, who you know from the Avengers movies. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I'll give it a, I'll give it a Bergeron. Yeah. I, I like give- I like Russo brothers. I like Millie Bobby Brown. Yeah, I'll give it a Broca. I think this sounds like the it has promise. I was I was once I heard this, I was like looking into how much the Russo brothers are doing, and they have their names on a lot of things right now. They when is that uh, Cherry Cherry? I think movie that comes out come in out? like February or March. With but that's on Mama Apple TV. Holland. Like <laughs> that's coming out on Apple TV. I don't. I think it might get a theatrical release too, but it's going to be on Apple TV, and I'm like, great. Mm, that's too bad. I thought I wanted it to be good. <laughs> if it's in Zinger. theaters, I might go see it. I want to see it. Yeah. Uh, I'll give this... Yeah, I'll give this one a Broca, I think. Uh, and then uh, Dungeons & Dragons movie is being made. Um, I don't remember if we talked about this before. I feel like maybe we did it a long time ago. Uh, but it's going to be directed by John Francis Staley and Jonathan Goldstein, who are the duo who directed Game Night. Uh, and they also uh, wrote, I think the, f- I think they wrote Spider-Man Homecoming from what I was seeing. Uh, but it's going to star Chris Pine. Uh, we don't know who he's playing or what he's playing. Or I, The premise of this movie is really not known at this point. Apparently, I mean, given their, the director's previous history, they have indicated they want to take kind of a comedic angle with it. Um, and it's going to be coming out in May 27th, 2022. All right. I'll give it to Bergeron. Game Night has some great lines in it, some great moments. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I like Spider-Man Homecoming, so. Yeah. I uh, And we like Chris Pine, too. Um, Yeah, I mean, I think I, I like Game Night is a movie I always forget about. But every time I think about it, I'm like, man, I kind of want to watch it again because I, I remember laughing kind of hard at it. So maybe I'll have to check it out again. It's got a good oneer. It's got Jesse Plemons being weird. Yeah, Jesse Plemons is probably the best part of that movie. <laughs> this is one of my favorite movie quotes. Is there? It's like buy one get three free or whatever. He's like, how is that profitable for Frito Lay? <laughs> Just this delivery of that line. <laughs> Dying in the theater. Yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a solid. It's a solid comedy with it, Jeffrey Wright being the. Jeffrey Wright, I'm going to explain everything character. Yeah, the exposition <laughs> character. Uh, yeah, I, I'll i give this... Yeah, I'll probably give it a Bergeron. I don't really care about Dungeons & Dragons much. I know Scott Sutter, uh, ruiner of podcasts, loves... Uh, he plays Dungeons & Dragons every week, so uh, he'll be 
first in line for this film, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, then next up, know you're excited for this one, Jimmy. Um, apparently, according to author Ernest Klein, uh, Ready Player Two is in development as a movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's early in the works, and what he I think it should it should have been called Please Reconnect Controller Battery Low or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the uh, his his specific quote is he said it's in the early stages right now, especially since Hollywood is in limbo currently. Uh, but I can't tell from the experience of making the first movie that everybody had a lot of fun and a lot of the same people will be returning. Steven Spielberg, don't waste your life don't, making another one of these movies. I, I haven't even seen it. I no. just know people who hate that movie. What is St- Steven Spielberg? He'd like sign on to this and do this before Indiana Jones five. <laughs> well, he's not doing. Oh, Indiana no, he's Jones not. 5. You're right. Yeah, I'm stupid. He's doing West Side Story. That's right. Is he is he doing anything else? What was his one after that? I feel like we knew. I was it's not maybe we were thinking it was Indy 5, but we mm. sh, I think we said something. He's doing something after West Side Story. I don't know. I mean, I don't want this <laughs> I don't want to see Ready Player 2. That first one was I think it got worse. I watched I think I've seen it twice and it got worse the second time. So I uh, really don't need this. I, I mean, if it happens, I hope Ben Mendelsohn comes back for some reason. When did the book come out? The first book? First book came out. I actually don't know. I feel like it's been out for quite a while. Maybe like early 2010s. I thought I was. I thought it was older than that. So it could be older than that. Um, I. The, but I mean, like having not read it and knew nothing about it until the movie came out. So. A lot of people really like that first book. Um, the new one just came out like last month or two. Like it's brand new. Um, and so I'm sure Ernest Klein said this in some sort of press tour um, for the book. Uh, but it has gotten less than stellar, uh, less than stellar reception. Fans of the original book are not really happy with this new one. <laughs> they think it's bad. So that's not a good sign. 2011. 2011. Okay. Yeah, so I I don't know. I'm going to give this one a Bombadil. Yeah, a Bombadil for me, too. A movie that I haven't seen. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so oh, prejudiced. I thought you had seen it. No. Okay. Yeah, don't, you don't need to. <laughs> when like, when am I ever going to see it at this point? I've had so many people just tell me how much they hate that movie who don't even <laughs> like care about movies. They're like, I hate this movie. Like, Yeah. So it's I, like, the I'm pe- not going to... Like, why? when am I going to go out of my way to watch this movie? Like, a few of the people that I know that love the book just don't like the movie. So that's, I mean, even if the diehard fans of the book don't like your movie, that's not a good sign. Okay. Uh, next up, this is just kind of a short one. Apparently, there's a Harry Houdini biopic in the works at Disney that Ben Affleck is attached to. He's not officially confirmed as Houdini, but I would guess he's playing Houdini if Ben Affleck is in your movie. Um, but yeah, I could, be, I could see him going, go ahead, punch me in the chest. I dare you to do it. Punch me. <laughs> do it. Uh, yeah. I want you to name me. <laughs> um, I mean, I was kind of surprised when I was like reading about, I, I looked this up and then I did a little bit of research after I, there's just like not been very much Harry Houdini stuff, like movies or TV shows or anything like this is, uh. It's kind of surprising. I feel like this untapped, would have been made already. Huh? Yeah, untapped. untapped. We should make our own Harry Houdini movie. 
There we go. Get, it's just get me to it before punching Disney you. Does. It's <laughs> me punching you and then you die. Oh, <laughs> but it's like real. <laughs> what a way to go. Yeah. Um. I mean, I'll I'll give it a Bergeron. I think it could be interesting. Hey, Harry Houdini seems like an interesting figure. Um, I give it a Bergeron too. Although, I mean, I, I'm probably I'd probably just rather watch the Prestige again. <laughs> And then the last one is one that I was going to talk about last week, but there's just no time with everything else. Uh, but it was it's kind of interesting uh, is that there is a Ratatouille musical being pr- made, but it's uh, it's called Ratatouille the TikTok musical. And now a lot of you listening may be like, ew, that's kind of cringe. And normally I would agree if I just heard that it was like a TikTok musical or whatever. But in fact, the story behind it is like during quarantine, like a bunch of people, like fairly talented people that have like been going to school, you know, or have a lot of experience in musical theater and stuff and just very passionate students and all that. They've they've gone on and slowly like created this like various songs for a Ratatouille musical. And if you like, I, my girlfriend has been like avidly following it and, it, and she's been sending me a lot of the songs and they're actually pretty good. Um, and then you also have other people who are more technically inclined that have built like miniatures of sets and, uh, just and other production kind of things. And it's just this really fascinating story that I'm, I'm kind of curious to see how it all pulls together. Uh, but it's actually going to be premiering online on January 1st. Um, and it's like... Yeah kosher with disney are they doing this without permission i don't know i don't remember seeing that i don't think mickey's gonna take the gloves off (laughs) (laughs) i mean i don't think they're earning any money off of it from what i was seeing i think it might be a charity thing um so i don't i don't know what the status i hope you have good lawyers Uh But I, it's it's coming very soon. I, I'm probably going to check it and watch it. I, this sounds very interesting to me. The songs that I've heard, especially if those are included, have been very impressive and funny. So, And I love Ratatouille. So. Ratatouille is a good movie that I don't really care more about it than that. So, Bergeron for me. Hold on. I'll give it a Brokaw. Um, I don't know if you saw this. We didn't mention this last week, but uh, I think that Nobody movie with the... Uh, Bob Odenkirk looks pretty good. That trailer came out last week. That oh, I didn't watch it. Overshadowed by the Disney dump. You should check it out. Looks pretty good. He's he's you know plays Bob Odenkirk in a movie, but he's like <laughs> John Wick. That's what I saw like a thumbnail for it, and I it was like described as that, but I just didn't click on it. So and yeah, apparently he like trained a lot for it too, which oh, is cool. interesting. So I'm I'm excited to see it. I like Bob Odenkirk. Um, yeah, sweet. I'll give, I'll give that a Brokaw. Um, and then moving on to our only p- but big piece of gaming news. I think it's. I mean, unless Jimmy has something else he wants to add, but we'll we'll mention this here. Is that um we mentioned last week that Cyberpunk was less than stellar. Holden's um, like, we don't need to talk about Cyberpunk. It's not that big of a deal. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, there's about? something pretty historic this week in terms of gaming, though, and that's um, placed uh, Sony removed Cyberpunk from the online PlayStation Store um, until further notice, with really no uh, given pr- projected date for when it'll come back or whatever. I think you can 
Can you still buy it on Pro though? I don't think so. I think it's just completely. I thought off it was the just the pay. I thought it was just the base PS4. No, from what I was At seeing, first, it was it was. Maybe. From what I was seeing, it was all PS4. I think, or just I think it was just the Sony store in general. Like I don't think you can even buy it on a PS5. I think the PS4. Maybe I can double check that if you want to just explain okay. more about what's happening. Anyway, um, but as we mentioned last week, like cyberpunk is in a really really bad state on current gen consoles like running that on an xbox one a baseline xbox one or even a baseline ps4 is just like not ideal it's so buggy it's such a mess uh even though i don't always trust the reviews i really liked ign's (laughs) reviews because they did like one they did a review for the current gen stuff it gave it like a 9 out of 10 and then did a review of the like previous gen version and gave it a 4 out of 10 um which i thought was very funny and reading through the review i thought was pretty entertaining um but they it's just and sony is doing a bit of quality control this is like unheard of since this is like a triple a game i think this is really the first time it's ever happened at least to this scale um cd project red the developers have really not said i mean they came out and apologized and said they're going to try to get it fixed as soon as possible um they i they haven't really owned up to the game being a mess as far as i know (laughs) they just kind of apologized for the game being removed um but yeah i don't know as i mean i i think sony made the right call here honestly because this game is a big mess some people are having a lot of fun with it being a mess which is i good i guess because some people have fun with very glitchy messy games yeah. but yeah, how how is your friend enjoying his 15 frames per second slide he's show? he's actually loving it which i cannot believe i i've i don't want to like hurt his feelings by insulting it so i haven't really talked about it too much <laughs> um but he uh he seems to be enjoying it quite a bit I, I, I just typed Austin, in. Austin, if you're listening to this, that's I'm talking about you. <laughs> uh, it's yeah, it, it's not. It doesn't have it on here anymore. I mean, it's it's got the page and it says release date to be determined. Okay. So. Yeah, as far as I I was under the impression that it was removed completely from the the Sony storefront. Um, yeah, it looks like it. So, and I mean, the PS5 version hasn't even been released yet. Um, but it, it worked well in backwards compatibility. Yeah. Know, like it ran fine. 60 frames per second. Yeah. So, I mean, this will be interesting to see how this develops over the coming weeks, um, especially with, you know, Christmas. I uh, That was probably the biggest surprise is like Christmas is coming up. People are going to be buying their kids, you know, the playstation money for the playstation store and or like even just download codes and stuff like that and now they're just they're losing out on this money so that just means sony is like passionate enough about this game being that like feels so strongly about this game being that bad that they're willing to lose out on that money and just it's interesting that x that microsoft has not done that yeah because usually i mean at least in the recent couple of years microsoft has shown themselves to be a very user-friendly company or like at least great public relations is what i should say um and so it's kind of surprising that sony of all people is the one that's ahead on this it's just very shady that they didn't allow reviewers to play the 
the last gen versions. They didn't like let reviewers review those versions until the game was released. Yeah. Which is if you knew it was like that's just they should have just delayed the the base gen they should have just delayed it on console, I guess. They should have. But they did not. So Yeah, so I mean I'm gonna give the Sony move probably a brokaw, honestly. I think that's a I, some people are upset about it, but I think that's probably the right move for their. Uh, I mean, if they feel strongly about that affecting their the the appearance of their PlayStation, good for them. I think they should have C- CD Projekt Red get it more ready. <laughs> CD Projekt not ready. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and I guess probably the pro- the bad part about this is now they're probably extra mega crunching at CD Projekt that Red is right that's, around the holidays. The, yeah. Because it's like, hey, you need to work 100 hours a week. Otherwise, the studio is just going to be in a terrible financial situation. <laughs> so. There's a, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm probably still never going to play this game, but. <laughs> It is, um, it's an interesting saga for sure. I just kind of want to check out the world, you know. I think the world looks cool, but I don't know. I I was interested in it, but I, I don't know. This kind of whatever. I'll wait a long time. I don't need yeah. to play it. I've been playing something else. Oh, We'll get to little that. Teaser. All right, old man, are, are we ready to go to the... I think so, I think so if you don't have anything else, bud. Yeah. Let's go to the Mandalorian Season 2 Finale, Chapter 16. All right, Jimmy. So, Season 2 Finale of The Mandalorian. Um, The Rescue, Chapter 16. I didn't remember the name. Okay. A fitting name, The Rescue. Um, so full spoilers. I mean, this is like a very spoilerific episode. So <laughs> really, if you're at all interested in the Mandalorian, you probably shouldn't listen to this part at all. Like, I mean, if you've, if in previous episodes, you've been like, yeah, whatever. You probably, you definitely shouldn't right now. Um, okay. So, uh, I watched, so it came out. I mean, it came out Friday. I didn't end up watching it until Saturday afternoon. Uh, but by the time I had watched it, like, reviews were already, like, a buzz of this episode. This episode is, like, I has an astounding 9.9 on IMDb. I don't know if you saw that. Like, yeah, I don't think it's that good. But, no. I mean, it's good, but it's not that good. I am not in love with this episode. I think part of that is it was by within like I not within 24 hours, but within like a day and a half of it coming out, I had already had it overhyped for me. Like <laughs> I everything I had heard from my friends who had, like they I mean my friends, a couple of my friends had asked me if I had seen it. They didn't spoil anything for me, but they had asked me if I'd seen it and then they had talked about, "Oh, it's like the greatest episode they'd ever seen." And then, like, uh, I mean, I just kind of glanced at a couple non-spoiler reviews and given it a lot of tens and nines and saying this episode's going to make you cry and it's going to be, like, a game-changing episode. I liked the episode quite a bit, but I didn't, like, love it. I don't know. Like, I, it's a very solid episode. I um, agree. This is interesting. So I'll let you know I had it 
very unintentionally spoiled for me on Friday morning, okay. which was such a bummer. Um, but I still I want to talk about that. Um, I was very upset because <laughs> so for some random reason, so like Thursday night, I'm like, all right, right when I come home from work tomorrow, I'm gonna watch it right away so it doesn't get spoiled for me. Mm-hmm. And then Friday morning, for some reason, I was like, just like brushing my teeth and I was like looking at YouTube or something, which I never do. I never do this. <laughs> and it said, and I was it was in the morning, and I'm never like thinking in the morning. And like I, I forget that like the episode comes out at like two a.m. Central Time or whatever. Yeah. And I just see this thing that says see or scene comparison Darth Vader hallway scene versus Luke Skywalker thing, and I'm like, this looks like the in the 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 uh, uh, what thumbnail looked interesting, and I thought it was a fan made thing. Yeah. And I was thinking, you know how they did the Obi Wan Darth Vader fan made duel death star duel like remade that i was like oh i would think like is this something these guys like remade the scene as luke sky like totally not thinking at all so i like start playing the video and like it shows dark troopers and then like immediately i turned it off and i was (laughs) and it connected in my head and i was like oh no (laughs) and then when i got to work all my coworkers were like, my brother stayed like my brother was stayed up for this thing last night. He said, avoid social media at all costs. So I was like, yeah, I, I already had it spoiled. So, <laughs> but I hadn't seen it. Like I, so I knew it was going to happen, but I hadn't seen anything yeah, from it. Yeah. So I was like, I haven't like, I, I'm still going to experience this. Just the surprise of this, of Luke Skywalker coming back is that surprise isn't going to be there. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's which, the, vi- why did we not see that coming? Well, it's kind of obvious in retrospect, <laughs> honestly. That, uh, I mean, that, yeah, I felt like that was the obvious choice for a long time. And even like during the hallway scene where he's like, you know, killing the dark troopers and whatever, I was like, this seems too obvious to be Luke. Like, they didn't reveal him. He had the green lightsaber and like the one glove on his hand. And I was like, this has to be someone else. They, they're they like, so, it's making it too obvious that it's Luke. And then it turned out to be Luke. Well, okay. It, so th- that my other thing with it, I just didn't. So, yeah. So we're already talking about Luke. Okay. I guess we're just, we'll talk okay. about the rest of the episode. That's but. fine. So I, so I knew there was going to be like some sort of hallway thing like Darth Vader's only it was going to be Luke Skywalker. It was going to be with the dark troopers. Um, and I just I did not like how that played out. Is that doesn't make like bringing Luke back awesome? I love the idea. I think it's great. I think it actually works well in the story. It's like it's definitely fan service, but it works well within the story. I just like I them watching half of it on the computer monitors. I thought was really underwhelming. I'm like, well, it's Luke. I already knew it was Luke because, I mean, I had it. Yeah. But but even if I hadn't seen it, I just saw an X-Wing come in and a guy jump out in a robe and turn on a lightsaber. I'd be like, that's Luke. (laughs) Also, he's like, how's he seeing anything out under that hood? (laughs) It's down over his eyes. It is. I mean, it is a little anticlimactic for the main characters. I think it's a cool scene. I I mean, I think the way he cuts up the droids is very, I mean, it's reminiscent of like the prequels, but it done better. (laughs) I thought I just thought it 
I just didn't like how it played out with, um, uh, with the way they revealed it was Luke. I think like the X-wing should have came come by and like oh great one X-wing whatever Cara Dune says, and then. I think they should be pounding on the door and then all of a sudden they start turning around and turning away and like they said why are they turning away and then I think it should have cut to like you know like in Rogue One it's just black and you see the saber come out and you see it's Darth Vader like that was awesome yeah this is just like oh let's look at this computer monitor and see that this cloaked Jedi is just carving through some droids who could that be and then there's like 30 seconds of that instead of you know cut to this you see the ignite the green and then he starts carving up and chucking the things everywhere and, and and like have some sort of cool new Ludwig Jorensen score to go with it much like Rogue One like I thought like Rogue One did the same thing way better than this I movie agree. did yeah like if well, I, I mean, think they should have I think is like, like amazing they, <laughs> yeah it is the and I think they they obviously paid homage to it with the hallway thing like clearly that was like hey remember Rogue One we're doing that with it I this I think they should have leaned more heavily into that just because like, not because if it's like, Oh look, we're doing the same thing, but I think it just would have worked better in terms of like the reveal. I mean, so I thought it was, I was looking forward to it so much. I was like, this is a little underwhelming that we're watching this on a CRT monitor from the, the bridge for the most of it. <laughs> I mean, my problem with it is, I mean, you said you thought it was fine fan service. I thought that was a little... I thought that's where the show pushed it a little far. It was Luke and R2. Especially R2 coming R2 out of R2 did no, not need to come out. Well, that yeah. Was... And, like, those two... I was, I don't know. I, I mean, I like a lot of the fan service that this show has presented. But it has made me question how much of the enjoyment I get out of the show or just the fan service. And I know that's a little contradictory considering how much I was ranting and raving about how much I'm excited for the new Spider-Man movie that's bringing back all of these old people, which I get. But I just I feel like so much of the enjoyment of this season, my favorite episodes have been the ones where it's had a lot of fan service, like the Ahsoka episode, the Boba Fett coming back episode. I I just I don't know. And I I'm, it makes me wary for how the, the next season will hold my attention. Uh, we could talk about the next season a little bit. I, I just want to say the moment that completely overshadowed it all was the baby Yoda. I'm a Grogu man, Mando helmet scene where he touches yeah. this. That was like, that was the peak of the episode for me. Um, I didn't cry. No, um, I didn't either. Maybe on a different, maybe if I hadn't had it spoiled, I maybe would have cried a little bit more at the episode. Um, I, they, like if, at first, I was like, they're not. I mean, like, he's baby Yoda is going to be in next season and all that. But, like, I'm now I'm, some people are like, no. So I don't. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't because know. Because they're setting up this Mandalore crap <laughs> that I <laughs> honestly don't care. Like, I do not care about Bo Katan at all. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, And, like, the Darksaber. I. I think this is maybe a little... Con- I did not like Moff Gideon in this episode. Oh, I did. I thought I was like, he's just... Nothing he's doing is working. <laughs> or he's just like... T- I don't know. 
He, I mean, he acted I like he was like so smart, but I'm like, you're just being stupid. I I liked the, I liked his fight with Mando. I thought that was pretty fun. I I did like when he's just kind of like he's reveling in the fact that he knows Bo-Katan's going to want to fight Mando. I kind of liked that bit. But that doesn't make I didn't think that dark saber stuff made any sense. I'm like he's still alive. Like what is, is this the elder wand for the Mandalorians? What's going on here? Like he's still alive. Yeah, I, I still don't get why he can't just say I yield. It's yours. Is that a more of a Bo-Katan? Like I can't I'm sure, accept this. I don't thing know. I mean, I'm sure an actual know, like rule. I don't I'm sure if you know a Bo-Katan, she's probably like really stubborn, or I mean, she but seems I, stubborn. <laughs> apparently, she just gets like someone just hands her the thing in Rebels, though, is what I've heard. Oh, I don't. So know. like the dark saber mythology doesn't make any sense or something. But like. This could be like you could literally say this is the end of the show for both uh, Grogu and Moff Gideon. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's going to be the end for Moff Gideon, though. I didn't get that sense. I mean, they didn't. I don't know. I just like I can't imagine they would continue the show without Grogu like I, to me, that would be the worst choice. I don't know. I mean, I I think it's going to be... F- I, I think if they don't want to continue with Grogu, then that's a bold choice on their part that I'm sure they have a reasoning for. Because, I mean, from a marketing perspective, it would be a bad idea. But if they feel the story is strong enough to go without him and they have a great direction they're going, then more power to them. I think they're wrong because the show is nothing to me without their relationship. <laughs> I'm not joking. Like, I do not care. I do not care about Bo-Katan. Boba Fett's not in it anymore, so don't care about... I I could care less about Cara Dune. Sorry. Me too. Um. So if Baby Yoda's not in the next season, I'm just... And the insinuation is that he just gets killed by Kylo Ren. I'm going to be pretty upset. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh... We can talk about the Boba Fett thing. We should maybe touch on just other parts of the episode. Okay. Um, um, the intro bit where they're chasing down the doctor. Um, there's there's been a lot of comparisons I've seen, and my dad even pointed it out when we watched the episode together. That um, the one the pilot who's who starts talking about you know the Death Star and how many millions of people died and every uh, innocent people that died on it and everything that's like directly they, they talk about that in the movie Clerks like from like yeah 30 years ago or whatever that's like a big talking point in that movie is the ethics of that and everything so that's that was a I don't know if that was directly a reference to that movie or if Clerks just got it early I'm just, I'm getting really sick of the Empire in Star Wars because they keep trying to justify people being a part of the Empire, like willingly, and it just does not work for me. Yeah. Like they're not convincing enough for me. They're like, people want order. That's what they actually want or whatever. I'm like, okay, (laughs) you're a cartoon. I mean, like true, people have wanted fascism and stuff. But, like, the way you've portrayed it in this show, you guys are just cartoons. So, um, 
and like unlikable cartoons. So I'm just getting really sick of the Empire and how they just the two dimensional, like just very one dimensional aspect of them as just the bad guys. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't really know what else they're gonna do because Disney wants to keep everything familiar. So that was uh, that was something I forgot to mention with the Disney dump last week. But it's just like almost everything they've announced is like still just connected to what we know of Star Wars. <laughs> like not doing anything particularly. I mean, they they're analyzing aspects that maybe haven't been looked at, but they aren't even like. I think they should just like you know go to a different part of the galaxy that isn't affected by any of this and just do something completely new. Blank I just sweat. want I just want Game of Thrones Star Wars already. Just give me <laughs> Game of Thrones Star Wars or Dune. Yeah, we need Benioff and Weiss to come make make their movies. <laughs> I want a Christopher Nolan Star Wars movie. That would be that'd be exciting. I'd be down for that. Um we didn't mention the CG on Luke's face was pretty bad. It, his mouth wasn't right. Yeah. Or so, like, it didn't match his talking. It looked slightly better than Tarkin in Rogue One, but not by much. And I feel like it's just going to look as bad as Tarkin does now in, in a couple years. I don't understand why they just didn't use Sebastian Stan. Unless he's too expensive or that he didn't want to do it. I don't know. He would be perfect for it. Because, I mean, it makes sense. He's going to... If he and Ahsoka don't meet at some point, that would be... I feel like that just is such a prime opportunity, especially with Ahsoka's relationship with Anakin Skywalker. Maybe Ahsoka will meet meet up with Luke and Grogu in her series. Yeah. I don't know. I just think... If you if this is the last we see of Grogu and the Mandalorian, my interest level of the Mandalorian has plummeted considerably. And if we I, go sh- if it shifts to Bo-Katan and Mandalore, I'm in very I'm not very interested. I'm you know I don't know if that's exactly what they're gonna focus on. I I think the end of this, especially just like the way they basically hard cut this ending, there's really like no epilogue or anything at the end of this like it just ends with them on the ship with Luke and Grogu leaving I think it just leaves it so open to what could happen next and I mean they clearly have a plan since season 3 has already been like written hasn't it yeah and they've already confirmed season 4 so we're at least getting two seasons I just can't imagine the show without Grogu um I think that would be a, a huge mistake from not just the financial part, just like an actual story part, because I, I just don't think there is a core to the Mandalorian without that relationship. Also, the uh, the CG of the shuttle landing is really was really bad. <laughs> that was like the only time where I thought like the vehicle CG or like crash lands in the in the ship. I thought that was really bad. Oh yeah, that was bad. I I was like, what are you talking about? Oh yeah, that was that was not good. Um, um I again more the action is kind of getting repetitive or something. I don't know. It's not repetitive, it just it it's not like blowing me away. We didn't even mention I like I liked Mando's encounter with the dark trooper. That was cool and then he just flushed him out all into space. Yeah. For a second. Yeah. Which I I 
I, for a you know, even though I should have known that that wasn't the end of them, I was like, did he really just get rid of them? <laughs> like, they've been building these things up or whatever. And But, like, I mean, that one encounter where, like, I mean, it, everyone likes the part where it's, like, sh like, slamming the helmet into the wall with his, with the fist. That was pretty harrowing. I think as cool as the Beskar armor is, you have to get rid of it next season somehow. Yeah. Because it's really that, overpowered. That for me, like, with the Moff Gideon fight, he was, like, stabbing him in the chest and nothing. It was, like, ping. <laughs> I was, like, <laughs> what? I'm, like, if you're Moff Gideon, like, what are you going to do? Yeah, just surrender at that point. <laughs> it does make everything seem, like, the stakes seem a lot lower. Like, I think the Moff Gideon fight is good, but it's just so much, like, you know that he's going to win because Mando has that Beskar armor on. Um, unless he gets Django fetted. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I uh, other things to say. Again, yeah, like you said, season three is wide open. I mean, I'd love to see it It change where, Bo, where uh, Grogu's like, you know what, I'm just not going to use the Force because I'd rather be with the Mandalorian and have this relationship than seek this other destiny. But then the, but since that still is like, a part you know his m count <laughs> is so high and that the empire continues to go after him and i mean they still have his blood samples so that's going to be something i hope that's not snoke or something or palpatine that yeah be dumb, in my opinion <laughs> although that i mean it would explain it there, Gee whiz. there was a uh episode of clone wars that i my dad was just watching he's ahead of me now in clone wars but because he's been like binging it but he, I just watched. I just watched it with them, and they said M count in it, like like exactly like that. I was like, that's funny. Dave Filoni. Um, uh, I thought it was interesting that like, or I thought it was clever, kind of how they just made Boba Fett not meet Luke, because <laughs> how would that how would that interaction have gone? <laughs> hey, you froze my friend. Uh, yeah. I'm a different one. <laughs> um, I'm sad that Boba Fett's gone, apparently, but we're getting that. I guess it's going to be a very limited series. Yeah. Like four I mean, episodes or something is what I've heard. Oh, that's short. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess a few weeks ago, I think when the first episode had dropped, we had mentioned that supposedly a Boba Fett series was uh, going to begin filming soon. I guess it would have to be. It's coming next December, which is also when the next season of Mandalorian's coming. So we're getting both around the same time, I guess. I I don't know. I just want this show to actually have like a direction to it. it yeah. Instead of being just a launch pad for other shows. Yeah. We need we need the we need Mando's character to actually have like an arc <laughs> i mean he kind of has with baby yoda but now he needs something else interesting to do um yeah i yeah maybe I next season he'll take off his helmet three times <laughs> 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 this would have been a lot more impactful if that was the first time he had taken off his helmet i will say that i eh, i don't mind it I don't mind it. I'm just saying it would have been. Yeah, probably. Um, but uh, hopefully that's not the last we see of Grogu, because if it is, I'm going to be mad. 
I liked uh, Boba Fett killing uh, Bib Fortuna, who's like really fat. <laughs> I ch- I had a good chuckle. I did not realize there was a post credit scene, and I was a- literally about to like turn it off. I'm like, why am I still watching the credits? And then right when that happened, they had Bib Fortuna. I thought Dude, he was gonna like open. I th- <laughs> thought he was gonna open the Sarlacc pit, and Boba Fett was just gonna <laughs> turn on his jetpack and just. And he's like, oh not crap. This time. But um. Yeah, he just yeah. shoots him. I'm gonna be. I'm interested to see where that goes because I don't. I don't really know what the ending of that what that scene means. Wouldn't it be ironic if Boba Fett got frozen in carbonite oh. at the end of that, and then he just and then he gets thrown into the Sarlacc pit? <laughs> <laughs> Not another Sarlacc pit. What? Uh. Also the the Mandalorians, Bo-Katan. Where was the other one? <laughs> Because did she have three in the third episode? Three with her? I don't know. I don't care about Bo-Katan. I'm sorry. People I like Bo-Katan. I mean, I don't either. I I don't care about the whole Mandalore thing. So, sorry. I apologize. The Darksaber, it's silly. I thought Moff Gideon was not as intimidating or as cool as he thought he was. He was no, he was no Gustavo Fring, so... I'm going to give this an episode this episode a 9 out of 10. I thought it was still very good, but not as amazing as some other people said. I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10. I think wow. seems about right. So there you go. We hate the Mandalorian. Um we've always we always have and we hate Star Wars. So yeah. on to our non-spoiler review of Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Black Bottom, a new Netflix film um, starring Viola Davis and Chadwick Boseman in his last on-screen performance. Um, and it is an adaptation of an August Wilson play um, based on the uh, famous or very influential uh, blues singer from the 20s, Ma Rainey. And it's kind of, it's her and her band at a recording session. Um, and a lot of tensions are there and a lot of very interesting, I mean, it's, it's full of a lot of interesting characters and they clash. Um, Chadwick Boseman play or Viola Davis plays um, Ma Rainey. Chadwick Boseman plays her trumpet player, Levy. Uh, and then you have the rest of her band and her manager. And yeah, it's... August Wilson. I, I think August Wilson also wrote Fences, which was a movie that came out that was supposed to be good. I think that was also based on one of his plays. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I loved this movie quite a bit, I think. Um, honestly, it. Uh, I thought it was pretty great all around um i think <laughs> i mean this is, this is gonna sound maybe bad that one of my biggest compliments for it, i mean we'll get into everything i like about it but i think one of my biggest compliments about it is the fact it's only an hour and a half <laughs> like that's so refreshing and this movie w- this movie would not have worked if it was more than an hour and a half I don't no think. um i think I, was, what you keep going I was just gonna right. say I just think it's it's paced pretty well, very fairly brisk, um, and yeah. I, what were you gonna say though, Jimmy? 
<laughs> so my opinion of this movie is skewed because I watched this not the way it was meant to be seen. I watched this uh, well running on the treadmill, and it is not a treadmill movie. No, it is not <laughs> Why at all. Why would you do that? <laughs> I because I did not. I this was it was not what I was expecting. It was I didn't know. So this movie, I mean, I very incredibly minor spoilers for this movie. This movie takes place over like one afternoon. Mm-hmm. I thought this was going to be like eat like a typical movie that takes place over a longer period of time. No, this movie literally takes place over one recording session. Yeah. And there's like two locations. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> two locations the, with a, f- a few others scattered here and there. And the first like major scene lasts for like I don't know. I guess I don't know how long, but it's at least it's, it's got to be at least like fifteen minutes. Yeah, twenty minutes when it's establishing these character, the characters of the band. And I was like, "Oh, this movie's only gonna be like this one recording session, isn't it?" So yeah, yeah. Uh, it is not. <laughs> it is. Uh, yeah, it's not fast paced enough to to uh, watch on the treadmill. I will just say that. So, but I won't <laughs> hold that against this movie. Um, cause the, the, the number one strength of the movie is the acting in my opinion. Yeah. It's, I mean, fantastic all around. Um, I was surprised this movie is like, it's more about like the band and like Levy specifically, like Ma, Rainey, yeah. Ma Rainey is in it quite a bit. And I think, she, I think Viola Davis is still top build on it. So it make I mean, she plays the title character. It makes sense. Um, and she's fantastic great um and i i mean in regards to her performance i think she sings everything in it at least it seemed like she did it kind of sounded like she did it sounded like her speaking voice if not they picked sure as hell picked a good person to to impersonate <laughs> viola davis's speaking voice um but it i mean i thought she was fantastic but i yeah it's it really focuses more on the band and levy cuz a lot of their conversations and they're practicing and in down in that little practice room that probably takes up two-thirds of the movie i'd say it's like the first 25 minutes of the movie is that yeah and then just like and then for a few other long scenes throughout it um there are a few moments where things get real and the acting is very good Mm -hmm. um Chadwick Boseman has uh, one moment in particular that stands out to me. Um, I this the I would be very surprised if Chadwick Boseman and Viola Davis were not nominated for Oscars. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, thought I both think, of them were excellent. I think this is probably. I mean, I've seen people say it online. I was wondering if it was just hyperbole because you know it's his last role, but this probably is Chadwick Boseman's strongest performance that I've seen, at least in my opinion. I think he's he's there's so much versatility to the character. I I was thinking about it and like there's so many different ways to come off of this movie with there's so many opinions you could have about this character, but I don't think that that's not necessarily a bad indication of his portrayal it just leaves a lot to uh the the viewers own experiences and their own beliefs and everything to see how they interpret the character but i think it's pretty universal that his performance is just is full of raw emotion and just so much i mean he he plays some comedy he plays a lot of serious bits he as 
he's sad he's happy he's it's there's so much to it um yeah and the 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 rest of the supporting cast is good uh the i really liked the the visual style the look of it they they captured this like swing era um chicago really well yeah even though you only saw it for like really brief flashes um the production design was was very nice yeah um, costumes were awesome yeah product yeah production design everything the technical aspects of it were spot on mm-hmm. i thought um yeah anything i mean like what do you want to talk about in particular non-spoiler wise other than for me the the performance is what i want to talk about the most and then just technically overall really good yeah uh, i mean i think despite the fact that this is there are like it's weird to say this but there are like fewer scenes in this movie than in most other movies um and i think that's just kind of you know an indication of it used to be a play and so there's i mean you'll have a lot longer scenes in a play than you would in a movie um, but each of those scenes are like they're paced pretty well. They each have a purpose for the overarching story and the characters. Um, and it, I mean, despite the fact that each of those scenes are kind of slower paced, like they're all um, very entertaining. I think it has a great sense of tone, too. Because as I, I mean, with Chadwick Boseman's performance, but kind of with the whole movie, there's a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of serious bits, but it's not a pl- it's not afraid to veer into comedy for certain points. And a lot of the uh, characters in it are pretty easily flexible to go in between each of those two modes. Um, uh, I think probably, I'll probably get into this more in spoilers. Probably my biggest problem with the movie is that it feels like they didn't really adapt it from a play and they just kind of took the script from the play. That's what I was going to say. That was kind of my biggest gripe too. was like, why did this, why did they need to make the movie version? Yeah. It was kind of like, I was like this, I feel like I would have maybe rather have seen it as a play, honestly. Yeah. I, I didn't that's for me was like the justification of, of film as a medium for this story I was like no maybe play would have been better uh, yeah I just don't like th- I was trying to figure out what is the the purpose of this movie and I, I was it seemed like it wanted to be a movie with a great purpose but I didn't there I, certainly has layers and complexities to it and these these characters have some insights that you can once you peel them back but i i think i would have rather seen it as a play honestly and i i agree with that especially with the screenplay they have i think i would have been okay or i'm okay with this being a movie i think they just should have made it more of a movie <laughs> like I yeah mean, leaned into the medium yeah like instead of i mean i'm not sure if i want to say get rid of the long scenes i have some kind of points in the spoiler review i'll talk about that i felt were very much like a play that could probably probably be changed a little bit but um yeah i don't know just maybe change it a little more and i think uh, don't quote me on this because i haven't seen the movie but i remember when fences came out um i think it had a very similar problem where the movie itself is very good but it also felt like they just took the play like the script from the play and (laughs) put a cam like a camera in front of it and kind of did that um so yeah 
that's probably all I've got. I, I have a decent amount I want to talk about in spoilers. Yeah, for me, I think the beginning was just a little slow to get going. Um, mm-hmm. Didn't quite lean into the medium as much. I think I, I watched it thinking I would rather have seen this as a play. Um, but oh, the acting, incredible. Uh, the the writing, I mean, like just the script was good. Mm-hmm. The, uh, um, very solid. It's got those layers to it. Um, so uh, what's your rating, Holman? I'll probably give it an 8 out of 10. Or maybe 8.5. Um, I, I, I was fluctuating between those two. I think I'm going to go with an 8 just because I didn't love watching it. But I, I, um, I thought it was very good. Still, yeah. I mean, I think this is a very solid movie. Um, it's not as much like a music movie as I thought it was going to be. I mean, there's a lot of music in it, but it's not like, that's not like the central focus of it. The music making isn't. So, I mean, if that's what you're going into expecting it, I wouldn't expect that. But a solid movie. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Holden. Let's get into spoilers. So spoilers for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Um, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Where do you want to start, Jimmy? Um, I don't. For me, I guess just kind of piggyback off what the not the non spoiler. It's like I just didn't think this movie. I gained anything from this movie that I didn't know or think before. You yeah. Know what I'm saying, like. Like at the ending, when they the that white group takes the song, I mean it's kind of that the what's it, the original Dixieland jazz band or whatever they're called yeah, that jazz just band. claims to invent jazz or whatever. <laughs> it's like no, he didn't, <laughs> and just you know, I mean maybe that's just because we took blues, jazz, and rock in college together, having no, that knowledge. I mean, I definitely think that point is worth seeing because i i think that's a point that hasn't been explored very much in this medium at least um maybe i mean maybe even in stage plays or anything i think i think our thoughts on that are probably because we took that class that we know that already i don't think that's something that gets enough attention honestly probably um but then uh just like the the standout scene for me and the one that could potentially win Chadwick Boseman a posthumous Oscar is the scene where he's describing is in the when the men come and sexually assault his mother mm-hmm. while his dad is gone and then his dad returning and plotting his revenge and and eventually getting lynched himself. That was very powerful. Um, he just he, he sells it. He just. His delivery of it is amazing. I think he, it's all in one take, isn't it? I, I, think I so. guess I didn't. I was so sucked into the story that I didn't notice. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it was one of those things that I was just so deeply invested in this story he was telling that I wasn't thinking about the movie itself. Yeah, which was a, a testament to both the writing and the acting. Yeah, no that that whole monologue was very powerful, and I. I mean, that goes back to what I was saying about the flexibility of his performance, because just like not less than five minutes before that, he was, you know, joking around with the rest of the guys in that group. 
Um, and then he gets very serious and, st- and starts talking about, you know, his mom and his dad. And it's, it's very powerful. And I mean, you can, I think that that whole story about his dad and his mom perfectly encapsulates why his, his behavior through the movie, like his reaction towards white people and just the showbiz in general. I think that can all go back to his experience with his parents. Um, and yeah, so I think that was fantastic. And despite this, he still gets exploited. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we could talk a little bit about how his Toledo, the I think it's Toledo, the the piano player is like his foil. Yeah, I liked Toledo kind of, a lot. <laughs> uh, how he's kind of more about like the, the greater good, and Levy's kind of more selfish, mm-hmm. thinking about just kind of his aspirations, his goals. Well, in the and first Toledo's scene, like, oh, what? Toledo's like that's not getting us anywhere. We have to work together to improve our whole. Com- condition as as black people in the in the united states in the 1920s <laughs> well you know like i don't mean to take away from I, I don't obviously mean to take away from the the message that that scene conveys but i think that can apply to you know almost anyone of any generation or any group because i mean i you know i took that and i applied it personally to you know how you know we treat the climate like global warming and stuff you know like you have toledo who's kind of more like oh let's just live and have fun and then you know you have toledo who's like we got to think about the future and yeah levy's living you said Toledo. i think you oh, meant levy's having fun yeah yeah levy's having fun and toledo's you know thinking about the future and everything like that um but yeah i i thought that direct confrontation there was great and then he's the one who gets the knife in his back mm-hmm. um yeah literally stabbed in the back (laughs) yeah um Um, i think we could talk about just ma rainey's character yeah um so i i I, I was interested about her after you know i watched it especially since she seemed she had this romance with this uh female character i can't remember what her what that character's name is um, apparently like she was never confirmed to have like romantic relationships with women, but it was very interesting because apparently it was very, there were very strong rumors that she was having like a relationship with Bessie Smith, who she like, apparently she seems to hate in this movie. Oh yeah. Um, but apparently like in real life, there was a lot of strong rumors going around that they were, I don't know if they were having an affair or what, but yeah. Interesting. I thought it was interesting how that her when she was talking about like how the it was Sylvester and Sturdivant, whatever the names were, uh, didn't really care about her. They just wanted that product yeah. to use to exploit to make money off of it. And as soon as she gave them what they wanted, she would be nothing to them. So she was going to use that as leverage for her to be treated like better than anybody would ever treat her normally yeah and i mean that's another monologue that perfectly captures how she acts the rest of the movie because she is kind i mean she is a jerk to everyone but i mean with good reason that she gives there is like i mean they don't care about her and so she is going to use what little power she has and use it to its fullest extent and how like segmented that power is like they are talking about how like they're explaining to levy it's like 
no, Ma Rainey isn't. She's powerful in our community, but if she goes to a white neighborhood, she's mm-hmm. nobody. Yeah. And like, Levy's just like kind of oblivious to that idea. Um, which is, I just thought that was that was interesting interesting insight into why she behaves the way she did yeah yeah um what else jimmy uh you want to talk about the like the nephew at all with it like his stutter and oh yeah Uh, i mean i thought that was interesting i wonder if that was like a real thing that happened at some point um I don't know. I guess I don't have a ton to say about him. Do you have anything? No, I just that was an interesting plot point. We had the the romance between Levy and I cannot remember her character's name. Yeah, I can remember like everyone else, but <laughs> um, Cutler's kind of the leader. I guess I don't. I don't have too much more to say off the top of my head. I was not okay. taking notes since I did watch this on the treadmill. I didn't take notes either, although I do have, um, I wanted to talk, I, I mentioned in non-spoilers, I wanted to talk about like how it very much, <laughs> the times where it very much feels like a play script. Oh yeah, go for it. Um, and so I, you have, I felt the end when he stabs him or when, or when Levy st- stabs Toledo that felt ex- like so much like a stage death because it's like he stabs him in the back just kind of off to the side but Toledo like dies immediately <laughs> like it was yeah. that seemed odd to me but then not only that like neither of the other folks like run or leave like they just stay there and watch which is something that would happen in a play like they wouldn't leave the scene they'd kind of react to what happened when I feel like in real life or in a movie they'd be like Let's, we gotta go get help yeah um that felt a lot like it to me i um the scene where levy is kind of like uh yelling at god and everything that felt a lot like something that would happen in the play yeah Um, just kind of screaming at god and all that um i mean obviously the whole the whole fact that they're just on pretty much two sets the entire time uh the blocking was kind of i mean i guess the blocking kind of seemed like a play but the camera was moving around in interesting ways that it didn't that wasn't really an issue i had like another point that i wanted to mention i'm trying to remember what it is something that really felt like ugh, i don't know it was just like sir it was i a lot of the dialogue felt like it was from a play it didn't really i mean it felt like something someone would say on stage but not something that someone would say in a movie now i i guess my my point was is that in plays people seem to like there seems to be a lot more like expositional dialogue at least in my um at least from plays i've seen there's a lot more expositional dialogue than you might see in like a movie of this of a similar style uh to this usually um and so while I do like the dialogue in this movie, especially knowing that it comes from a play, it did feel like there was a lot of just kind of telling how it is dialogue in this. Yeah. So um, I think I'm I've said everything I wanted to say about this movie. Yeah, I think it, I'm pretty much done, too. Yeah. All right. What are you doing?
What are you doing? What are you doing? No, what are you doing? What are you doing? No, what are you doing? What are you doing? All right. Uh, what was I doing this week, Jimmy? Oh, I think the most recent thing I saw you'll enjoy. I just, for the first time, watched all the way through the Jim Carrey's How the Grinch Stole Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> what a great, weird Ron Howard movie. Yeah, it's like, I mean... Not for one, kids? <laughs> no, it's not. I, I think the script is really genuinely pretty funny. Like it's, it is not for kids. So I guess that's got it going against. Like it's marketed as a kids film, and it's obviously not. But I think I mean, that's it's, a plus. Well, yeah, it's a me. plus for us. Um, but I think like the production like value like is terrible. Well, yeah, it it is pretty bad. I but think it's, like, like it adds to it fun being funny. The, the camera direction is nonsensical. It is probably some of the most absurd just camera movement I've ever seen in a movie. It's so it's like bad. It's, it's, it's weird a great like, it's a great what? movie, Holden, because it's bad. Yeah, That's I mean it is good. pretty enjoyable. I thought I <laughs> I wrote down that I thought the funniest part, or I, the thing that got a laugh out loud for me was um, when like they're telling the backstory of the Grinch and like uh, the one one of his caretakers is like oh we were just it was way back when we were at our annual holiday get together and it flashes back shows a bunch of who's dancing in a house to smash mouth (laughs) 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 which i like (laughs) and it wasn't even like a well-known it's not like all-star or anything it's like some obscure smash mouth song i thought it was really funny (laughs) wow um but yeah i mean fantastic 10 out of 10 would recommend <laughs> it's also Tonight. leaving netflix at the end of the month it told me that when i started up the movies so if you want to watch it you got to do it soon it's my it's one of my three favorite christmas movies what are your other two die hard and home alone slash home alone 2 okay i've never seen home alone 2 it's good nice maybe i'll watch it this year uh and then aside from that i watched the matrix Oh, you did? Finally. Yeah, finally. I, I thought that was going to be the first thing you were going to say when you were building it up. I was like, did you actually finally watch The Matrix? No, I wanted What'd to say What did you that? think, Golden? <laughs> I mean, I liked it. I didn't love it, though, if I'm honest. Come on. I think, okay, my problem with it is not anything that the movie does, because I think it is a very well-made movie, but I just, like, I was watching it, I'm like, every single scene of this has been parodied or shown to me in some other movie or some other TV show or something else. I feel like I've seen this entire movie. And so I just did not get that much enjoyment out of it. Cause I pretty, I felt like I knew almost everything. The only thing that surprised me was how much they weren't in the actual matrix in the movie. That surprised me a little bit when I watched it, but I felt like everything else. I was just like, yeah, I've seen this so many other times. I get it. It's a great, great production value. Awesome script. I thought the script was pretty fantastic overall. Um, awesome. I mean, cool Keanu Reeves stuff uh, just didn't click with me. And I don't have a problem with anyone who loves it. I Good for them. It's a good, it's an objectively great movie, I think. Yep. Anything else, Holden? Yeah, uh, I watched uh, how or the haunting of Bly Manor all the way through. Finally, I think maybe 
way back when that came out, I had mentioned I'd watched like the first two episodes of that, but then I just didn't watch the rest of it. And I like binge watched it over the course of a couple of days during this, um, this break this last week. Uh, it's nine episodes total. And I, the last episode I was in tears the entire time. And I think it's important to note going into this, especially after coming from Hill house, like this series, this specific one is more of like a Gothic romance. It's like, I mean, there is still haunting elements in it, but even I was like going to Wikipedia, even Wikipedia doesn't call it horror like at this point. And I was kind of surprised so you to see that. Liked it? I did like it a lot. I think it's important to go. Because you didn't in like that. it at first, did you? You didn't I like it at first, did I, you? I didn't like it as much at first. Um, and since then, I had kind of heard that it was more of like a. It wasn't supposed to be as scary. It wasn't aiming for that. Um, and so I think going in with that mindset, coming off of Hill House, which does have some very effective horror elements in it, I think going in knowing that it's not really a horror series is pretty important. But yeah, I would recommend it, especially if you like Hill House. Pretty good. Uh, I mean, it's not really a follow-up because it's completely separate, but it's got a lot of the same cast and it's got Mike Flanagan. So, uh, And then the other thing I watched this week is I watched the Coen Brothers' first movie. Um, on, it's on HBO Max. It's called Blood Simple. Yep. Um, it is, I was kind of surprised to see. I mean, it's not only their first movie, it's also Francis McDormand's first movie. Um, it's also, uh, I think Barry Sonnenfeld's first movie. He did the cinematography for it. So it was his, uh, debut as cinematographer. Is that uh, a murder mystery? Yeah, it is. I mean, it's kind of in, in Coen Brothers fashion where you're getting a lot of different perspectives through the whole thing and you have people that get way in over their heads in a situation, which is a very Coen Brothers staple, especially if you've seen things like Fargo and all that um but yeah i mean it is like a it's a murder mystery thing i don't think it's i don't think they had quite found their balance between comedy and drama at that point yet i think it's solid but it's just like not as funny as their subsequent movies are and that's something they've fixed by the next movie because their their second movie was raising arizona starring nick cage which is fantastic (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah i mean i if you're if you like the coen brothers i think it's a very solid watch. Um, and then beyond that, I've been playing Yakuza 2, Kiwami 2 slowly still. I want to beat that before Christmas in case I get any games. So then I have that slate cleared. Um, I played through Bullet Storm, which is like a first-person shooter from two gens ago now, I guess, the Xbox 360, PS3 era. Um, but they did a like a remaster of it for PS4, Xbox One. And it's like, it's kind of like Doom in the fact that it's very over the top. It's all based around killing people in creative ways and like just trying to get like the goriest deaths. You get like points, the more deaths that you're like, the more creative deaths that you do. And then you can spend those points on upgrades and stuff. It's very over the top, very stupid. I think, I mean, while Jimmy, I still think you should try Doom at some point. I don't think you would like Bulletstorm, (laughs) Um, but I did quite enjoy it personally. Um, and I played, I beat that. That was like a seven hour campaign. I, that was free on PS plus. So that's why I got it. Um, but yeah, I think that's it for me. All right. I have two things. One is a movie that I watched today on the treadmill, which I watched half of it on the treadmill, uh, was, uh, oh my gosh, uh, 
<laughs> the Dead Don't Die, the Jim Jarmusch one. Oh yeah, with that Bill came Murray. out last year. Did you see it? No, I remember it came out. I didn't. Re- so I remember like it, I knew it was like Bill Murray and um, Adam Driver. Mm-hmm. Forgot Tilda Swinton is in it. Danny Glover is in it. Uh, Selena Gomez is in it. <laughs> and oh, I want to say there's another person in it, but I I can't. Chloe there's Savigny, a lot of right. Yeah, Chloe Savigny. Yep. I think that's how uh, you say your name. I'm probably wrong though. Which, uh, yeah, it was very, very weird. Um, very mundane in the Jim Jarmusch way, but it's like a zombie apocalypse. It's it's interesting because it's like a mundane Jim Jarmusch movie with just that takes place during a zombie apocalypse <laughs> with Bill Murray and Adam Driver. I've never seen so, a Jim Jarmusch movie. They're interesting um this is the second one i've seen i saw patterson which also has adam driver uh this one is very meta it is very bizarre it it is the stu it's really stupid (laughs) there's not like for a zombie apocalypse movie there's hardly any action at all really <laughs> which was surprising the zombies don't show up for 30 minutes there's some good like kind of lines in it there like the whole situation is so absurd i, I don't want to say it because I, I don't want to like spoil the jokes of it but it, it is very bizarre and it's yeah it I like I liked it at times and then I was kind of I think by the end of it I was over it I think I liked it less kind of the second half because I was kind of expecting it to pick up and then it just didn't if anything it felt like it slowed down even more (laughs) when the zombie apocalypse was happening oh great um but (laughs) Tilda Swinton's character is so weird and funny (laughs) (laughs) there are things that happen in that movie like if you just like went to see this in theaters and you had no concept of like jim jarmusch at all you would be like what the heck that is the stupidest (laughs) thing i've ever seen in my life yeah i can Um, imagine going and wanting like a zombie comedy (laughs) like if you were expecting like zombie land or something um but i think you would like it holden it's on hbo max that's why i watched it yeah, I've seen uh, um, it was added. So yeah, it's it's weird. Uh, and then the other thing I got, Ghost of Tsushima, Holden. Finally, I, I mean I don't have it yet either, but <laughs> uh, so I I just gave up and I'm playing it. I was waiting to play it on PS5, but uh, thank you scalpers. I'll just play it on my PS4 Pro. It runs well. Like I don't. The only difference is like the frame rate on PS5 and the 30 frames per second. The animations are fluid enough that that it feels like a very fluid game. So I it's fine. It would be I would love to see like a, a, a remastered version of it on the PS5, though, because it is a little blurry in terms of even on the pro in terms of like um, like similar to like a Red Dead Redemption or something. Oh, sure. Where you just like a resolution bump or some better anti-aliasing would make this game look amazing. But like, it's fun. 
and when you're playing it, you don't really notice it. It's really good, Holden. Like, I am really enjoying it. I'm enjoying it more than I thought I was going to enjoy it so far. Sweet. All the side stuff feels, like, meaningful and not just, like, a nuisance. Um... I'm taking my time through it. I like doing all the side stuff in games like that. The story feels like, I mean, like, it's not like exceptional or anything, but like it's solid. It's it it feels very stylized. the The intro has some great set pieces to it. Um, the themes are interesting. Like it, yeah, it doesn't. It just feels like a really cool world. I like the way they, the the world feels. It doesn't. I guess if I had a gripe, it like the locations in the world don't seem all that unique, but the sure. world itself is like gorgeous and fun to just kind of run around on your horse. Uh, the controls are fantastic. I think the the combat is excellent. It's it feels very fluid. I'm still figuring out the stealth. I'm getting used to the stealth system, but I, once I get that down, I'm, I'll be excited to use that a little bit more. I like because you I mean you th- really don't have to at least to where I'm in my part of the game you could just choose to just go in and you know run in and just start fighting people this, but it's it's really good I like it quite a bit um yeah I have, I have only really good things to say about it so far so nice. I'm excited to keep playing it Ghost I'm of Tsushima I'm excited to play it at some point <laughs> yeah um but that's all I have Holden so take us home Cool. Um, so next week, uh, we've got Wonder Woman coming out on streaming. We've actually, so we've got Wonder Woman and Soul uh, I, coming. I, I say we just save Soul for two weeks from now. Yeah. Uh, although I do think, as I we talked about it last week, and you kind of agreed with me. I'm hoping you are still with this. I think we should do Wonder Woman and Happiest Season next week. Did I agree to that? What happiest seasons on what Hulu? It's on Hulu, and it's like Christmas related. So I think we should do it now since it was okay. requested. I don't think I have Hulu anymore. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I'll have to get Hulu for a month. That's fine. Okay. Uh, but yeah, we might do those two, and then the week after that, we might also have to do two. We'll talk about it though. Um, okay. We'll talk about it when that comes. But yeah, uh, next week we'll probably do Wonder Woman 1984 and Happiest Season. Get those out of the way. Sorry for anyone whose requests were bumping out of the way for Happiest Season, but we just should probably get it done while it is still Christmas time, kind of, even though next week will be after Christmas. But still, it's still close to Christmas. Um, Yeah, so we'll do that. And then... Uh, yeah you can send us requests by sending us an email at tompodcast at gmail.com or you can leave us a five-star review on itunes uh please do that one if you haven't already um obviously you can only do that once though so if you want to do another one send us an email or you can donate to our patreon um any any amount of money and give us our request on there uh yeah I think that's pretty much it, Jimmy. Yes. Adios, pantalones. Love you.